what I'd like to do, as I mentioned in the email, is to uh, start out with a discussion about what we talked about last time and what I hope you've been working with during the past few weeks. So we've been talking about uh, the first step, which is awareness, which includes uh, first-level emotions, core feelings, emotional reactive impulses. You're trying to identify the core feeling behind any issue you have and then work with that. So let's, uh, let's do a little bit of sharing. I'd like to hear how you're doing with finding the core feeling. And uh, if you're having trouble, maybe I can help clarify what those core feelings are and, uh, you know, help out. So anybody who wants to share, just jump in. And uh, remember, this is what we're doing is a group therapy session. So basically in group therapy, you spill your guts, right? So don't be afraid of talking about what's going on with you, what's really important for you. A frozen shoulder for two, and I thought it's from sitting at my computer, but I've been at my computer for years, and my shoulder wasn't sore. So I know that it's emotional, and I'm frustrated, and I feel stuck, but I don't know what's the underlying feeling of that. Okay, uh, so... Emotion is frustration stuck, yeah. Okay, so you were dropping out a little bit, but I think I got most of it. You're feeling uh, pain in your shoulder? Yes. And it's recurring chronic pain. And um, you haven't been able to get to any specific core feeling except just frustration. Is that right so far? Yeah. And you want to yes. yeah. know how to work That's with right. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's a good... That's a good uh, thing to talk about. Working with body symptoms and body um, uh, pains, chronic pains, is is like a, a division of the emotional clearing work. And it's very similar to what I think is Vipassana, because in Vipassana, if anybody's familiar with that, what you're basically doing is sitting in meditation and inviting body symptoms to come forward, body feelings. So any sensation in the body, especially if it's a uh, painful feeling in Vipassana, you want to just bring presence to that physical experience. And uh, the idea is that the physical experience is closely tied to an emotional experience. And there's actually a, a very interesting article by Goenka that I found on the internet where he says when he was uh, putting together the Vipassana system, he realized that the best way to work on yourself was to go to an emotional level. But he thought that that would be too difficult or sophisticated for the average person of his time. So he suggested just working with body feelings, knowing that they eventually link to emotions. So, so you know, work, if you don't have an emotion, um, but you have a body sensation, 
you can start with just working with that body sensation and you just bring presence to it you go into your uh, induction you go into alpha and then you invite the feeling to come forward applying all the same steps to it of acceptance uh, oh first of all awareness which would be in this case the body sensation and then conscious acceptance just relaxing into the experience and we're going to talk a little bit more about acceptance today so whatever i say about acceptance relative to um, emotions applies to body sensations as well so you're finding the resistance that you have to the experience which is common and then you're dropping into the body being present with the body sensation now there's always going to be some resistance that you haven't discovered at that point but the whole object of going into a deep alpha state is to find that resistance and be able to bring feelings forward so just staying present with the body feeling and regarding the frustration as a first level emotion it's not really a core feeling, but it's, you know, it's an emotion that's coming over. So you can work with the frustration that's going in the direction of feelings. So you're feeling, you know, frustrated, blocked. You can't get anywhere. So we always extend acceptance to any kind of blocking experience that we're having. So we relax into the frustration and we fully experience that and then that's it that's as far as we can go for the moment and we stay right there and we just make the assumption that as we're being present with whether it's body sensations or first level emotions we are going in the direction of the suppressed subconscious and you know we're bringing uh, energy to that level just focusing in that direction even if you're not fully there yet is a step in the right direction you're uh, energizing uh, that unconscious astral body part of yourself and eventually that's going to lead to uh, the releasing that we're that we're aiming for Mm, super sensitivity to noise specifically like specifically from uh, uh, certain sources like say for example if there are some uh, noises coming from the top floor of the house like maybe some people living above me so like that kind of noise like it creates a lot of uncomfortable feeling within me so as it is i'm sensitive to noise but however i have become super sensitive to noise okay uh, so uh, hypersensitivity to noise basically right noise is yeah. irritating you you find it irritating what's 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 your experience when you hear the noise what feelings come up when you hear the noise yeah uh, so basically um, it causes a lot of uh, frustration within whenever i hear the noise go a little further beyond the frustration relative to the people who are making the noise um, explore your emotions a little more. What what emotions are coming? Uh, frustration is kind of a 
you know, very nebulous emotion. What other, what other emotions are coming up? Anger. Okay, good. Yeah, right. Anger. So there's anger and resentment coming up, right? Towards the people who are making the noise. Yeah. All right. So you're talking, okay, so now you've actually clarified the issue a little more as well. It's people who are making the noise. It's not the garbage trucks outside or the traffic. It's primarily people who are making noise. Is that correct? Yeah. And, yeah. and where are these people? Are they in your apartment building or where? They are uh, in my apartment building. They st stay right above. People, people right above you in your apartment building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I can identify with that. I, it's, it is, it is irritating. Um, but if you're having a, a hyper normal reaction, if there's, um, you know, what seems like excessive anger coming up beyond what might be thought of as a normal level of annoyance, um, then we could assume that uh, there are suppressed emotions and feelings that are being triggered. So that's your starting point. The assumption would be that this situation is triggering latent suppressed anger that you have. And that's your starting point for the process. So you take responsibility by understanding that. You, you, know, you say to yourself, I'm going to make the assumption for the time being that I have suppressed anger, excessive suppressed anger, stored from some place in the past, and we don't know exactly where that is, and we don't really need to know at this point as well. Just the fact that anger is coming up is enough, enough for us. So that's your starting point. So then you, uh, you go through all the steps of the process, and your first emotion is going to be anger. And, but that's not really a core feeling yet. So there's going to be a core feeling behind that. Uh, just to give you some hints about what the core feeling might be, it sounds like there's a sense of intrusion. I'm being intruded upon. Intrusion is a power center issue. It's like I have no control over my experience. Things are taking over outside of my control. You know, I'm being dominated. Can you resonate with these, with these feelings? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. okay, so I'm being a little more directive and straightforward with you than I would be with a client normally. I would bring them into alpha and then have them ideally discover for themselves what the issue is. But, you know, since we're uh, not exactly in that format, I'm being more directive. So that would be, I would guess that would be, you know, one of the things. You know, a secondary thing might be solar plexus issues, significance issues. I'm not being respected. 
I'm not being, uh, you know, valued. People are disrespecting me. Now that could that could fit in as well. But you have to discover which of those two would be most appropriate for you. But then you're going into the core feeling. You know, you're gonna you're gonna expand those core feelings of either disrespect or lack of control, being dominated, controlled. I have no say over what happens to be I'm, when you're in the negative control center this is the second center in my schematic of the 10 chakra system right in the bottom of the body in the perineum when you're in that center you're um, unconsciously moving into victim status you're feeling like you know you're a victim these people are doing this and I have no control. So, and that can be unconscious. So it's like you want to shake yourself out of being a victim by taking responsibility, which I talked about earlier, and, uh, you know, assume that the feelings are coming from within. And then, and then, so then you go into your core feelings. Uh. Uh, what you mentioned uh, about uh, someone uh, uh, disrespecting me and trying to dominate over me is what I'm exactly feeling within. Okay. Okay. Remember, those are two different centers. Disrespect and domination are two different chakras. So you can, you know, you can bounce between them one to the other. Or you can, it's whatever's coming up for you. So you, as long as you're going in that direction of opening to feelings and being present and allowing the feelings to come up, you know, it's all going to help and, uh, and lead to the releasing that you want. But, you know, again, I would say this to everybody. We've all got these major issues and... Uh, we come into this lifetime with these major issues and they're not going to evaporate overnight. So you don't want to start to think that if you just meditate for a couple of days or a week, you're going to, you know, remove these things automatically. They, they do take time, but it's all, it, for me, it's always just a matter of how effectively are you applying the steps of the process or what is your capacity to, apply the steps of the process. And if you're not moving forward, there's something wrong with the way you're applying the steps. And that could be what we could discuss here and figure out here. So I feel like I keep coming up against this and I, I'm always conscious when I ask about this, not to sound like I'm blaming, but I, so often when I work with a feeling, whether it's anger, which seems to come up most frequently and trying to get below that, it's stuff around my mom. And lately, I just, I feel like there's, it's constantly this sense of, of grief around not having had a mother figure, um, you know, just having had a mother that was just emotionally abusive and very distant. And it, it's, you know, I've dealt with anger and sadness, but then I feel like there's this grief like to not have known that experience in this lifetime and how do I, is that the core feeling is just now working with that grief around? No, no, no. no. Okay. Okay, good. This is great. This is a great, 
great thing to talk about. So um, you've identified it with a mothering deficiency, right? So this is the uh, navel chakra. Uh, the, two, the two major chakras are navel and solar plexus. So the navel is the mothering center. Solar plexus is the fathering center. Just, I'm going to just, you know, keep talking here. So if you're, if you're deficient in fathering, that's when you develop the sense of I'm not good enough. If you're deficient in mothering, that's when you develop the sense of emotional neediness. Can you identify with this sense of emotional neediness? Well, interestingly enough, I feel like I, 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 I identify more with what what did you say the father was emotional um, uh, well the father is approval the father gives approval the pro- the father reflects approval back to the child so that the approval um, you know instincts are allowed to develop and then the child incorporates that and then they feel confident they feel they have self-esteem they feel they have wealth uh, um, worth so that um, disrespect is not latent within and then projected. So if anything, they're projecting confidence and, and uh, you know, value. I have value. That's what the <clears throat> typical fathering impulse can uh, transmit. But the mother is, you know, and we're talking archetypes, right, too. So, I mean, you know, a father in the, in the, in the, parental setting, the father might be the mother. The father might be emotionally present. And the mother might be dominating, which I've seen many times. And the mother might be the fathering energy. So, you know, got to factor that in as well. But it, so when you think about, so grief is certainly a first level emotion if not bordering on a reactive emotional impulse. Let's say, okay, let's say you've got the uh, reactive, let's say you've got the first level emotion here, and then there's the core feeling here, and then there's the reactive emotional impulse here. So whenever you're going in, (laughs) I didn't reverse on the screen, whenever you're going in that direction towards the, reactive emotional impulse, you're going in the wrong direction. You're going into acting out. So grief is like going in the direction of acting out, although it's still a first-level emotion. So if you have no feeling beyond the grief, you can sit and process the grief, but that's by no means a core feeling. And then what are the other uh, emotions you mentioned besides the grief? Well, I mean, anger is, okay, okay. is I, I, always yeah. what I start, where I start. Yeah, um, right, right. So anger is absolutely first-level emotion. And anger is, again, based on the assumption that you're blaming that person for not doing something for you that they should have done. So you realize you had a deficient mothering experience. Now, that in itself is is significant to realize that you had a deficient mothering experience 
do you understand what I'm saying? Because not many people, if they're not psychologically attuned, will not recognize that they've had deficient mother, deficient father, they've got deficient heart. They, they just explode. They don't know why. So you're on the road. But anger presupposes that you're blaming, that you're not taking responsibility for what you bring into this life. That's why I go through such pains uh, in my writing to emphasize projection and how it results from subconscious energies that we bring into this life. And then that attracts the parents. So we have, you know, you've got built-in mothering deficiency right into your astrology chart. I know I would see it if I looked at it. It's what you came into this life with. You attracted this mother who acted accordingly, and then you responded accordingly. You weren't able to develop as ideally you might want to, but we all have areas where we don't don't develop ideally. But blame is presupposed on, you know, giving away your responsibility. It's it's again victim status. So you're a victim, right? You're a victim of your mother's deficiency because you don't take responsibility for the negativity that you were that you come into this life with. So this is still we're still talking awareness, right? Intellectual. But you you can see how far awareness starts to go. We're now starting to get into the subtle levels of awareness that we never really talked about last time. So, so this is, you know, really great to talk about. So, okay, those are suggestions to you on an intellectual level. Start to assume, recognize, research that you brought these energies, deficient mothering experience, into this life try to allow that to ease up on the blame and the anger. Now, it's very possible that it won't because there's probably some suppressed anger as well. So then you process the anger. You recognize that you've got an anger issue and it's being projected onto your mother now, but very easily it can be projected onto somebody else. Maybe anger is going to be the first thing you work with as you go into deeply working on yourself. You might, you might spend a couple of months on anger. You know, you have to meditate, go into the opposite state, go into the body, bring up the anger, apply presence to it, feel it in the body, don't react to it, allow it to just circulate in the body. Experience the release that can come from applying the steps. And like I keep telling everybody, this is such advanced work. Not only do you have to have the capacity for meditation, which means, you know, sit on your butt for 30 seconds without looking at the phone. You know, so who can do that today? Okay, so work with anger. If that's coming, whatever feeling is coming up strongest, work with that for the next month or two. Let's say it's anger. But Drop blame, take responsibility, let the anger come up. And then grief is, you know, kind of like a poor me thing. Poor me, I never had the mothering I want. That's, that's why I'm saying emotional reactive impulse. You have to get past the poor me and, and take responsibility. So 
seeing that might allow grief to diminish to a significant extent. But maybe not, maybe because you've got suppressed grief, uh, you know, which you could be projecting onto other things, relationship or whatever, everything. So then sit with the grief. Don't be afraid of the grief. And, you know, feel it, breathe into it. Detach. It's all about detaching and witnessing. And then, so let's go to the core feeling. So now what do you think is the core feeling? Do you think it's this sense of emotional um, deficiency, emotional neediness, or what do you think it is? Well, it's interesting because I would say it's, it's a sense of worthlessness, but I did have a dad who was able to reflect back to me, and I, I project a lot of confidence in the world, but I think deep down there's a sense of worthlessness. When oh, okay, well, what works? So I, I don't, that's yeah. my, my sense, but I, 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 it's hard for me to like get to that feeling of worthlessness. It's like this, um, well, my okay. intuition tells me that's me all, but... Your intuition tells you what? That there is a sense of unworthiness okay. beneath it all. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know enough about the difference between the mother and father, what you're explaining, but I would guess that a sense of unworthiness can come from a mother who's not. Yeah, yeah. We, we, there's always a lot of fluidity in all these feelings and you're working with chakras and you just, you just take whatever whatever comes up. We don't try to be too rigid in the application of chakras to feelings, but whatever comes up for you. So if it's a sense of unworthiness, yeah, work with that. And when I say try to find that feeling in your body, wherever it comes up, and maybe it'll be the top of your head um, instead of the solar plexus, or maybe it'll be the, the navel center. Because, you know, all these chakras connect in all different ways. And that all relates to your astrology chart, the way the planets are connecting. So when I look at your astrology chart, I can see how your chakras are interacting. But if we don't have the astrology chart, we just go with intuition. We watch with what we, uh, you know, we go with what we have. So if not being good enough is what's coming up for you, then, yeah, great. That's, that's a core feeling. So you're already moving into core feelings, you know. But my suggestion would be emotional neediness. Just let's talk about that for a minute because um, emotional neediness is very common. And we see it in a lot of, you know, I see this in a lot of women in my practice when I had a practice. I'm no longer practicing, but I would see this all the time with women who were siphoning uh, energy from their children and just inordinately attached to their children, living vicariously through their children. And uh, it's hard to broach that. I can do it now maybe in a general way. But it's, it's all over the place. And and forgive me if I'm saying this, but now it's like women and pets and animals. I'm seeing the same thing all over the place. Women seem to be predominantly attached to animals, dogs primarily, and our sick society seems to be promoting this. 
it's the same thing, emotional neediness. So then you have a child, you have an animal, you become dependent, you're neurotic regarding this issue, and you don't realize it, you think it's only loneliness, and I have to, you know, have somebody around me. It's all just addictive dependency. So I would suggest looking in the direction, I don't know for sure with you, I'm just throwing out things to, you know, give you possibilities uh, for everybody. So. Uh, there can be uh, addictive neediness, emotional neediness that's acting out in ways that you're not aware of yet. And maybe it takes somebody like me to, you know, be bold enough to throw out a few crude comments to wake people up. But that's um, that's the way it works. So, emotional dependency. And then, uh, let me just throw this in regarding therapy. In traditional therapy, it's uh, a lot of different forms of therapy, of course, but the most traditional form of therapy, I believe, Helen, why don't you jump in on this, is where you, uh, where the therapist provides what the client was missing in uh, childhood. So the therapist becomes a surrogate mother, providing the nurturing that was missing, or becomes a surrogate father, providing the approval that was missing. That's how therapy, that's how one form of therapy works. I never, I don't see this as working because the blocks that are inside are going to prevent the client from taking in the positive attention that's being offered. That's the way I see it. And that's what my experience has been. So whenever I've been in a situation where a client has unconsciously requested parenting of some sort, you know, this dependent type of surrogate counseling. I'll go along with it to a certain extent, uh, as long as we're also processing the, the feelings, which means coming into the moment with the feelings, you know, feeling the feelings, accepting them. You know, there's no, there's no sense of... Uh... I just read a book by... Uh... Oh... I can't think of her name. Uh, that's all. Maybe I'll talk about it later. Uh, you know, a book by a psychiatrist talking about feelings called Emotional Freedom. It's just like nowheresville, nowheresville. You know, this is mainstream psychology, especially nowadays with cognitive work. There's no mention, as far as I know, as far as I see, of the subconscious, the fact that emotions can be suppressed in the subconscious, there's no understanding of acceptance, there's no understanding of duality, that we have to bring light and dark, positive and negative, into balance, that we can't resist uh, the negative in order to release it. It's all about, let's go for the positive, you know? Helen, do you want to comment? Chip in here. There's sometimes, when I'm doing sort of early trauma work, I will allow regression to a certain extent. Yeah, we have, I, I'm not talking about yeah. not allowing no, regression. Long-term sure. long yeah. dependency with clients, I really work against. I really don't believe in that. 
I, yeah. uh, some clients have got a belief that they'll always be in therapy because they're so dependent on that mirroring. And I do everything I can to work in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, when I'm doing very early remembering of memories, I will allow it, but I always work. I always work on the independence and the emotional and yeah, good. So, of the person. Yeah, so uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. And when I feel a client's becoming becoming really dependent on me, I really um, I really work with that to um, to try and get them moving and get them independent again. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks. I could. Every time when I start to feel into my body and to get a little bit of contact to my emotions, I got nearly always uh, something like a feeling in my chest, like fear. But I, this is not dependent on nothing. I, I couldn't, maybe it is a little bit fear for life, I don't know. But it is difficult to get through this because and sometimes I feel that when I stay with it, it just comes forward. It's, it's, it gets more, but I have no clue where where it comes from, where it goes, yeah. what it is. Okay, so. good, good. Uh, okay, this is uh, this is great. <clears throat> uh, these questions really give me a nice uh, springboard to start ranting. <laughs> so, okay, so. Uh, let, let me uh, let me rant off on another fine point about uh, the work we're doing. So, what are we doing in this work? Okay, so the book is called Emotional Clearing. Uh, the new book, which I keep plugging, is called Deep Clearing, which I'm going to be telling you all about soon. Um, we assume that there are suppressed feelings in the subconscious, which account for the neurosis that we experience. Neurosis means unreasonable acting out and uh, expectations, uh, post-traumatic stress, um, having attracted severe trauma experiences to you. So when we process we're going to contact that excess suppressed negativity. Let's say it's fear. Or, um, as I said last time, fear is a uh, fear can be regarded as both the first level uh, as a, as a core feeling and a first level emotion. But there are other core feelings to look for. You know, to cover all the bases. So, other core feelings would be poverty. Um, disease, loss, lack. And those are like fine-tuning your fear experience. So if you wanted to go into deep into survival level, uh, what what's my fear about? I would look for other, um, you know, ramifications of that fear. Well, is it about loss? Is it about um, poverty? Is it about health that I'm fearing? You know, if, if I'm fearing health, am I fearing old age, which we're all, you know, looking at now, or I am especially. 
um, am I fearing old age? So you can unwind those fears a little more by going to, into the specific negative dualistic part. But uh, so then we're unwinding the, the, the suppressed emotions that have built up by using the process and we're trying to come into balance. Okay, now what is balance? Who wants to throw out, come on guys, what is balance? What is emotional balance? Felipe, you're a pretty smart guy. What does balance mean to you? Okay, balance that uh, you can uh, face the negative emotions. And you can face the negative emotions, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, I think that they don't... Um, Sometimes we feel like uh, very affected by negative emotions, but if you're in balance, you can accept them, accept them as a part of, as a normal part of life, right? Right, right. What you're saying is there's going to be a balance of positive and negative. Is that what you're saying? There's going to yes. be negative emotions and positive emotions. <laughs> and the mistake we make in the past is resisting the negative emotions so they became suppressed and built up and those are the ones we're trying to release through the first level of the process so as we go through like stage one of the process we're we're theoretically getting rid of the excess negativity but then as we move into balance if we're not clear of the negative yet it just means that we're having a balance of positive and negative. So we're still going to have fear and we're still going to have safety. Yep. And we, we have to allow a place for the negative to still appear. Now, when we do that, then we're moving into stage two of the work and we're starting to transcend the dualistic experience by neither being attached to, let's say, safety, or being afraid of fear. Resisting, avoiding, afraid of, afraid of fear. So, this, is, this might be a subtle point, but it's really, it's really an important part of the work we're doing. We want to transcend dualities, not eliminate negativity. And it all goes back to being present with the negative that, that's coming up. So, you know, I'm retrace, whatever to whatever extent fear is coming up for you, it's it, you just have to keep going back to the process and make the assumption that you're still clearing stuff. Um, but or maybe you're moving into a, a balanced place, but you're still not allowing the negative to come up in the balanced place where it still has to come up. But now we have these tools of uh, you know, the, the negative comes up like it's no, it's no longer an issue. It's no longer a problem. All you have to do is sit on your butt and go into the process and, you know, breathe into the feeling, accept it, and the feeling resolves, it evaporates uh, if you're in balance. And then you start to transcend the negatives and the positive-negative dualistic um, syndrome that you were caught in and you start to lift out of.
that's what this work is all about. It's all about transcending. This, all, this also ties into Jung's work, where he talked about the opposites and being able to move into the opposites and transcend them. It's all about transcendence. It's not about fixing, curing, releasing, dismissing, even though or clearing, even, even though the book was called Emotional Clearing. It's really not about, it's about clearing from the subconscious the excess negativity, but it's uh, the end result is acceptance and transcendence. And this ties right into the Buddhist philosophy of aversion and avoidance. You know, look at your aversion to the negative and put it aside. Uh, attraction and aversion. And then look at your attraction to the positive and see that as a form of addiction. You want the positive in order to avoid the negative. You need to go beyond that and be okay with both. Thank you.